You're listening to the Pursue God Men's Podcast, the official channel for biblical manhood at PursueGod.org. Find resources to talk about it with your family, men's group, or mentor at PursueGod.org forward slash men. All right, we're t- today we're in our fifth of five lessons where we have been kind of walking through uh, some admonition to young men. We hope that dads and young men have been going through this together. Uh, we hope that guys, men in your men's group at church have been discipling younger men with this particular series. And today we're going to finish up by really challenging young men to go find a wife because today's culture really is moving away from marriage covenants. And we, we believe biblically that that's moving in the wrong direction. We, what we want to talk about today, guys, is that godly young men should start thinking and praying about their future wives. And this might seem really weird. It might seem like a strange conversation for a dad to have with a son or a young adult son, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. And so for today's conversation, John, we've invited um, one of the studliest men that we could find to speak to this because Thud is a, a fighter pilot. He's a he's you're almost a general by now in the Air Force. You're kind of a you're kind of a man's man. And we feel we feel like it might have a little bit more weight coming from you, Thud. So thanks for joining us for this conversation. And you're gonna share some of your own personal stories, but you also have two young son, not young sons, two sons in their twenties. And are both of them married now or one's one down, one to go? Yeah, one's married and uh, had his first child uh, two weeks ago. So I'm a grandfather now, which is awesome. And uh, my other one is getting married here in the end of May in a few weeks, uh, our time. And then uh, my daughter actually is going to get married in about six months. And she's marrying an awesome man that is allowing me to pour into him right now. So it's uh, really awesome. Yeah. Thanks for letting me be here. Well, so you know more than anybody that marriage is a good thing. And guys, let's start with that. John, scripture makes it clear. Again, our, our culture says one thing about marriage. It's almost like like culture says, like, why get married? Why get tied down to to somebody to, you know, why for a young man, like, why? Why do that? Especially in a culture where where premarital sex is just it's just the norm. And so more and more young people just feel like it's no big deal and why get married and one of the reasons the first reason is because your spouse is a helpmate from God Genesis 2 verse 18 it says the Lord God said this is after he created Adam he said it's not good for man to be alone I'll make a helper who is just right for him and then fast forward to Proverbs 18 verse 22 it says there the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. So we believe, all three of us, we're all married, happily married, and we would agree that marriage is a good thing and that your spouse is a helpmate. John, why don't you speak to that for a second? And then thought, I want to hear a little bit more about your story and your marriage. Well, we know that every good gift comes from above. That's what God's Word tells us, and, and our wives are no exception to that. I love that in Genesis, God said that I'm going to make a helper who is just right for Adam. So our our spouse is just right. You know, their strengths complement our weaknesses. Hopefully our strengths complement their weaknesses. Uh, God brought our wives to us, brought our spouse to us because they're our helpmate and and they're going to help round us out. They're going to bring gifts and talents into our marriage. 
that, that we don't have and, and vice versa. You know, I think particularly when it comes to raising our kids, my wife brings a level of empathy and a level of compassion that I should have probably as a pastor, but I confess there are times I don't have it. And my wife has, has been an amazing helpmate in the way that we've raised our kids together. So yeah, and in the Proverbs verse that you referenced, Brian, I find it interesting. It doesn't say the man who finds a good wife finds a treasure. It says the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. So so even with our wives' flaws, and they're not perfect, they're broken just like we are, there's something about God providing us with them that gives us favor from the Lord and they're they're a treasure and and I would just throw in their young men as you're thinking about marriage. That means they should be treated like a treasure. Now we'll we'll make sure at the end of our podcast today to be very specific for young men because we're challenging you to go find a wife. And so we want to talk about what you should be looking for, but we'll save that for the end. Thud for you, what were you looking for? How long have you been married and how how's that worked out for a stud fighter pilot like you? Well, I tell you what, uh I married my best friend and um, the Lord blessed me with finding her at uh, 16 years old. We were high school sweethearts. Um, I really uh, wasn't even, uh, didn't really know her that well. And we just happened to be at a friend's house and she threw me the football with this beautiful tight spiral and I immediately fell in love. I mean, she is, uh, she's amazing. She's an athlete that, uh, that uh, complimented me very well when I was young. And um, she has been there every step of the way. We've been through some valleys and some some mountaintops in our career. She's um, she has served more than I have in the military, and uh, so we've been together for since we were 16 years old. Um, about I'm pushing 50 right now, so it tells you how long we've been together. And uh, we were married our seniors in in, uh, in college, and we have been together every step of the way. And I tell you what, she. Um, you talk about needing a helper. She completes me in a way that uh, is like no other. She can see things that I can't see. She can uh, can challenge me in a way that no one else can challenge me. She can say things to me that no one else can say to me without me getting offended. And even if I do get offended, I know she's doing it out of love. And so she has completely helped me grow deeper in my faith. She's challenged me as a leader. Uh, She... uh, a few weeks ago, she was uh, reminiscing on when I was not leading the home very well and how she just um, thanked me for leading leading better and for and taking the lead and taking that burden from her because as men, God placed that burden of leadership for the family on us. And when um, when a wife has to assume that burden, sometimes it's difficult for them. So she was challenging me to grow deeper as a leader and in my faith. And, uh, man, she has been a truly, as some of the old verses in the Proverbs talk about being a jewel in my crown. She has really been that jewel in my life that has kept me on the, uh, on the path toward the Lord. And it's, uh, she's the one that keeps me centered. Cause if not, if you let me go on my own uh, fruition, then it can be a bad thing. Well, side note that it takes a, it takes a man who knows who he is and is secure in his manhood to marry someone who's a better athlete than you are. Like you just said, she can throw the football better than you, I'm sure. I know she's a better golfer than you are. We've already talked about this. 
but so so kudos to you for that number one but actually i think that gives us some insight into why you're able to let her say to you that you used to not be a great leader to me that's such a good example of of a man who's willing to take helpful criticism from his wife you know that that you're able to have that kind of a conversation with your wife is awesome that's the kind of stuff we're talking about is that you're a humble enough, a humble enough guy to know, um, to know that you need to be completed by a woman, that you need a woman in your life. I know that's true for me, John, that's true for you as well. We recognize that marriage is a good thing, that, that our spouse is a helpmate from God. And that doesn't mean she's subservient to us, by the way, that doesn't mean she's less than at all. That just means to use a cheesy old line from the movies. That means she completes us, that we're incomplete. We're incomplete. You know, there's a, there's another, there's a part of her femininity that we need and not just personally as men, but that we also, our families need it as well. We'll be talking about these kinds of things on this podcast a lot because our culture doesn't like to acknowledge the difference between men and women and male and female. And we think that's not right. We think that's unbiblical. We'll be talking about that in future episodes, by the way. So keep listening for that kind of stuff because we're not going to hold back when we talk about a biblical worldview. But Thud, go back just for a second. Speak to us as a fighter pilot. There's, I think you see this a little bit differently from a tactical point of view because you have something in, in the military called a wingman. And that's kind of, that's a good analogy for marriage, isn't it? Absolutely. So uh, when we fight uh, in the air, we always go into battle with a wingman, sometimes three or four, but our primary fighting is as, as a pair. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of very biblical because, you know, Ecclesiastes uh, 4.12 talks about a, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better for a triple braided cord is uh, not easily broken. And uh, that is so true in life and in the air that uh, you have to have that wingman always checking your six uh, that is able to allow you to take the lead. But here's the key. Here's a key point that, um, unfortunately, the first Top Gun movie got wrong about fighter pilots. Is his, you see in the first Top Gun movie for those of you who've seen the old movie, uh, which is Tom Cruise is always saying, "I'm not going to leave my wingman." Actually, it's just the opposite. There are times when I want my wingman to lead and to leave me, and then to me follow them. And that's what's just so amazing is that when you have a healthy marriage, when you're leading properly. She is empowered. She is confident. She is able to be sacrificial and servant-hearted as well. And there are times when she needs to leave, when she sees things that I don't see. And those are times when she gets the quote-unquote tactical lead, as we say in the, in the air. Because a lot of times uh, I'll be engaged in a, with an enemy and uh, be focused on him, and my wingman can see another one out there. And that's the one, probably the bigger threat. So a lot of times my wife can see things with a different perspective, uh, with a different set of, of, um, of glasses on or, or out there. And she can see things that I don't see that can be a bigger threat to our family than I thought it was. So having her there to quote unquote, check my six all the time and give me that guidance has been uh, invaluable. Okay. So that's good. So your spouse is, you know, the word we're using biblically is helpmate, but I'm going to change it now. I like wingman better. Your spouse is your wingman, right? That's number one. 
Number two, John, I think this is really important for young people to understand is that marriage sanctifies us, that marriage helps us to look more like Jesus. Ephesians 5 says for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And so, you know, I really like this concept, but explain this for people who might not know that word. What do, you, what do we mean when we say that marriage sanctifies us as men? And that's why marriage is a good thing. Well, I think the marriage relationship more than any other relationship teaches us how to give up self. And, and that's what it means to be more and more like Jesus. No one gave up their rights. No one gave up their privileges to the level that Jesus Christ did for us. And so that verse that you just read, I, I can't think of how many times, Brian, that has, has gotten me excited and how many times I wish it wasn't in the Bible, <laughs> how many times, you know, how many times I thought, man, I do not want to submit. I do not want to be the first to apologize this time. I do not want to be the one to do the dishes, even though I came home, you know, from a 50 hour work week. I, but when I read that verse, it, it calls me to give up my life for my wife. And then also the spiritual leading part of that verse to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So young men, there is no other relationship on earth, in my opinion, that will will stretch you and and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in your life like a marriage relationship. And then keep in mind, that's the picture that the Bible paints between Jesus and his bride, the church, right? It's a marriage relationship. So that that's why I believe the marriage relationship helps to sanctify us, helps to helps to make us holy, helps to set us apart uh, more than any other relationship that we have here on earth. Yeah, and John, that's a, a great point. And when I talk to young men, and we talk about being in the ministry, and we talk about uh, what our ministries are, I often point out to them that your wife and your marriage is your first ministry. You know ministering to her she is god's daughter right and when you have your children you'll understand what i'm saying by this by you know you want to protect that daughter you want to protect your children and if you can serve her and you can be sacrificial to her that will change your attitude about seeing other people as well and it's amazing when the world starts to see a god honoring marriage um, a one that is where husbands are sacrificial where wives are are serving and they're reflecting the image of christ in the church it's amazing you know we talk a lot of times as christians that we want to have our lives shine and be a light um, but imagine if two people can shine together and that that light becomes uh, doubled and intensified and that way we can point a lot to christ through how we honor each other and it's easy to tell a marriage. You can find, you can talk to someone real quick who, especially a man who honors his wife and who loves his wife and sees him as God's daughter. And you can tell a man who doesn't. And it's, it's very apparent real quick. So if we see marriage as our first ministry opportunity, man, what a, a light we can be into the world. Yeah, you know, we said we said at the beginning of the podcast that the culture is what's shaping our young men and keeping them them from going and finding a wife. But it's not just the culture for a lot of listeners. Maybe the reason that they don't want to get married is because they haven't seen the right model of a marriage in their home. 
maybe they they haven't seen this Ephesians 5 verse played out that husbands should love their wives in the sacrificial way like Christ loved the church that he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean you know hold, the word holy there means set apart so the visual is that Jesus like set apart the church from the rest of the world and said, you're my special people. There's language like that all throughout the Bible that, you know, we are God's special chosen people set apart, separate. In fact, that's what church means. Church means the called out ones. The word is ecclesia and it means called out ones. So it's the idea is that God has called us out and separated us from everybody else. And, and literally that's what we're supposed to do as husbands is we're supposed to set our wives apart from everyone else. But a lot of young men listening to this have dads who haven't done that with their wife. They haven't set their wife apart. They have. She's not special. She's not set apart from everybody else. And so they're like, well, what's the big deal? So, so if, you're, if that's you right now listening, I just want to encourage you, take a cue from what God's word is, what, what the vis- his vision for marriage is supposed to be. And if you've got the wrong vision for marriage, maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe you need to start by saying, God, give me a biblical vision for what marriage is supposed to be like. And that word holy is good, right? It's such a good thing because, again, it just means I want to set her apart like Christ set the church apart. I want to think about my future wife as I'm setting her apart from everyone else. I'm putting her up on a pedestal. And she's more important than any other woman. She's more important than our future kids. She's more important than our in-laws. She's more important than, than my friends. She's more important than my hobbies. That's the kind of marriage that we have pictured here in Scripture. Yeah, that's a great point, Brian. I know when I do premarital counseling, that's one of the things that we cover, particularly with the young man. Like You need to be willing to set your fiancé, when she becomes your wife, apart from every other relationship, your parents, you know, your buddies, um, maybe if you have female friends that you've had close friendships with, there needs to be something about this relationship with your wife that is unlike any other relationship that you have. And that's not just the physical aspect of it. That's certainly part of it. But but even the emotional and the relational aspect, the types of conversations I have with my wife are different than I have with any other person. And I just want to take just a second, maybe for the for the man who's listening to this and he's he's been married a while and maybe his marriage is not in a healthy place and he just has a hard time, you know, feeling like he should love his wife in this way. Maybe, you know, maybe she has has not kind of loved him the way Christ has called women to love their husbands. When I read verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. The church has been unfaithful to Christ all the time. (laughs) Like you and I as believers were unfaithful and yet Christ still loves us. And, and so men, if, if you're in a tough spot in your marriage, I know it's hard and I know you can't do it on your own strength. I'd ask the Holy spirit to just empower you in this, but love your wife. Like Christ loves you that, that all the times you mess up, all the times you fall short in your relationship with Jesus, he's long suffering towards you. He's patient. He loves you unconditionally. And and that's the way he calls us to love our wives. Yeah, I was actually uh, mentoring one of our our officers a few weeks ago, and he's a believer. And we were uh, having a private conversation. I've known him for twenty years, and he was venting about his marriage. And he was venting that his wife wasn't on board with his plan, and he was 
adamant that she should submit to him. And I simply just asked the question to him, well, what have you done to sacrifice for her? What have you done lately to show her that you are willing to give up things for her, that she is important, that she is valued, that she is loved, that, that her opinion and her is more important than your plan. And the dude just went silent. And that is so easy as men, especially driven alpha male types that I'm around, which is they have a plan, they're going to go do it, and they will sacrifice everything to make that plan and that achievement accomplished. And um, it is so easy for men to get focused on the goal and forget their family and especially forget their wife. And you talk about not having someone at that point that will call you out and that will help you. That's a good way to shut down your wife. On the other side of things, if you want a wife that's going to challenge you and keep you on that right path and keep you focused on God, sacrifice for her like Christ sacrificed for the church. Yeah, the opposite of toxic masculinity isn't femininity or feminism. The opposite of toxic masculinity is biblical masculinity. The, the thing isn't to say, well, let's just, all men are bad, men are, men are evil. No, me, everyone's bad. Everyone's sinful. Everyone has this capacity, this bent towards sin. What God calls us to is biblical masculinity. And I think that if you're a godly man, and biblical masculinity was, was ultimately modeled in Jesus, that Jesus was the ultimate man, I think when we follow in his footsteps, that means we sacrifice, that means we love, and we are willing to lay down our lives. And I think that every woman would want to be married to a biblical man like that, a godly man like that. Okay, so we're talking about marriage being a good thing. Number one, we said that your spouse is your wingman. Number two, we said that marriage sanctifies us. It makes us holy. Because a lot of people think that marriage is supposed to make me happy. Actually, biblically, marriage is supposed to make you holy. So that's the second thing. But the third reason, guys, before we move on here, the third reason is probably the most practical reason of all. So for the young men who are still listening, the one of the reasons that marriage is a good thing is because it helps you to battle sexual immorality. And this is a really practical thing. I think in today's culture, my son says, he doesn't know a young man that doesn't struggle with porn or you know lust and things like that. And uh, to me, I think this goes hand in hand with not having a proper vision for marriage, not knowing that there's an end in sight, that there's a godly woman out there for you that will be your wingman, that will help sanctify you. And so I think one of the things that happens here is young men have kind of almost like no hope in this area. Um, and so then I think that's just one more foothold that sa Satan gets in the door. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it can lead in part to a porn addiction and, and struggles with sexual immorality. In fact, scripture says it like this, 1 Corinthians 7, 9, but if they can't control themselves, talking about young men, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. And so young men, if you're listening to this and you struggle with a porn addiction, I'm telling you, you should really memorize that scripture verse because I think that is going to be part of the key to your victory in this area. Now, I don't want to overstate that, John, so maybe you can clarify a little bit because I don't, I don't want people to think that, okay, well, good, when I have a wife, I'm not going to have any 
any problems anymore. My lust is going to be gone. But but it really is part of God's um, his part of His provision for us. Our our sex drive is a good thing, but it's it it can like many things it can be it can be kind of the major sin for us if if we don't understand it in a biblical way. Yeah, I think that's part of of why the Proverbs verse again says, "He who finds a wife finds a good thing and has found favor from the Lord." You know, sex is a very good thing; it's a gift God gave us. If, if you know, it it's practiced in the context that God set it up to be practiced in, which is in a marriage covenant relationship between one man and one woman. And if that was an issue in Paul's time, you know, Paul wrote that that letter to the Corinthians, I can only imagine what he would say today in our hypersexualized culture. And the reality right. is men are are wired to be more visibly visibly attracted than women. And I know there's there's variations, you know, some women are more visual than men and some some men, you know, are, are more visual than women or most men are more visual than women, but but the reality is it's it's always in front of us and this is just one of the ways. I mean, it wouldn't Certainly, I hope for my, I have two sons. One is married, has been married a little over a year now, and one is not. I wouldn't want that to be the primary reason my younger son would get married, but it it is definitely part of God's battle plan for sexual immorality. And then I would just say, too, to the young man that's thinking, I've got this struggle, I'm failing in it regularly, but that'll all go away when I get married. Uh, that is absolutely not true. Like, you need to start battling it now. You you need to get some accountability partners. You need to get some wingmen to help you with that because it will not go away when you get married. And and your expectations, if you're watching a lot of porn, of what your sex life is going to be like when you get married, I just, I'm going to tell you right now, it's all messed up. It's not what it's going to be like. Um, God has something better for you than what culture would tell you. And I'll say this, that, uh, in the very male-dominated world I'm in, and, and both in the secular world but also in the church, I don't know a man that does not struggle with this, period and dot. I've struggled with it. Um, I know my boys have struggled with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is so vital out there to when you are married, and this is the hard part, guys, is when you're married or even when you're going through premarital counseling, have that discussion uh, with your fiancé or your wife and, let them know what that is. Be transparent with them. They become your accountability partner. But I cannot stress enough the importance of having a man that's with you to be your accountability partner. It is so vital. And um, because it is, there's a book out there called Every Man's Battle. I truly believe every man struggles with this. And it won't go away when marriage happens. But let me tell you, young men, it makes it a lot easier uh, when you can use the... Uh, the gift of sex that God has blessed you with in your marriage and to, to bring you closer together. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. If you missed our episode a couple of weeks back, we, we talked about running from porn. Um, so I encourage you, if you haven't had that conversation, we go into great detail on this and make sure to uh, fathers have that conversation with your sons because, because someone's talking to them about sexuality. Their friends are, their friends are sending them messages so fathers, I just encourage you to have that conversation with your sons. Not that our daughters don't need that conversation, but this is the men's podcast. We'll leave that to the women to talk about. But 
but fathers, you, you need to lead your sons in this, be honest about your struggle, and then really help them to have a vision for healthy masculinity, for biblical masculinity. We can have victory over porn addiction. We can have victory over sexual immorality. We can have healthy, happy marriages. And, uh, and that's God's hope for us and God's vision for us. So, so marriage is a good thing. And John, I think maybe the next question people have is, well, then are, are you saying that it's bad or it's wrong to be single? Because we're not saying that. In fact, Scripture talks about this, and I think it, we should spend a little time talking about that in particular. Is singleness bad? What What are we actually, what are we getting at here in this topic? Yeah, it's a, I think it's important that we spend a little time on that, Brian. I I know of a of a faith, a religion out there, it's not biblical Christianity, that at one time had had basically a doctrine that said if you were 25 and a and a young man and you were still single, you were a menace to society. So young men, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that in your singleness you are somehow less than. We're, we're not saying that God can't use you when you're single. Single is not bad. In fact, th- there are some ways that God can use you when you're single that he won't once you're married. Because as Thud mentioned earlier, your primary ministry once you become married is is to your family. And so it it does take energy. It does take resources. It does take time that if you're single, God can use some of those same things to go out and, and expand his kingdom in the world. First uh, Corinthians 7.32, again, Paul's writing, he says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. So what, what we're going to talk about a little bit here is this idea of being content in our singleness. You know, if God has called us to be single or if in this season we're single, we want to be content there. But we don't want that to become an excuse for passivity. Because as Thud has alluded to a couple of times now, men are, I believe, men are called to lead in the church and in the home. And part of leading in the home is I think men should take the initiative when it comes to finding a spouse. Men should be the ones kind of sticking their neck out there, so to speak. Men should be the ones taking the first step because that's setting a pattern of the leadership. Uh, but as you're as you're doing that, don't allow marriage or finding a wife to become an idol in your life. Right. Don't allow don't allow finding a wife to be the most important thing about you. So if you're single young man and you're like, hey, man, you guys are preaching to the choir. I've been looking for a wife for two years now. It's all I can think about. I, I would say just check your heart with that. Do you desire a wife more than you desire to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Because if the answer is yes, that that's not a good position to be in. Right. You're, you're making marriage an idol in your life. Yeah, I think I I think any good thing can become an idol. Marriage is good. If you find a wife, it's you find a good thing, but you can still idolize marriage and and it becomes a bad thing. But the same thing can be said for singleness as some people have made singleness their idol. Um it, they want to kind of live it up and live the single life and I think either way it's it's just a call on our lives to look in the mirror and say, God, I want, I want to honor you. I want to make you the priority in my life. I want to seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Paul said it like this in Philippians 4, 
I'm not saying this because I'm, I am in need for, I've learned to be content in what are, whatever circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Now he's talking about financially here, materially, but really we could, we could relate this to even our singleness or our marriage. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret, verse 13, Philippians 4, 13, pretty famous verse. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So here's a guy who's focused on Jesus. Now, by the way, Paul was not single. He, he might have been widowed because as a Pharisee, he would have had to be married. So Paul was most likely married at some point, but he does, in one of his books, he does talk about, you know, being, like we said in 1 Corinthians 7, he talks about being free from concerns and, and how a married man uh, is focused on his wife and an unmarried man can be focused on mini- a little bit more on ministry. So I know that can be confusing to people saying, okay, so then single is good, married is bad. No, that you have to take it in the context. Remember, he had just said earlier in that chapter, we read this before, 1 Corinthians 7, 9, that if you can't control yourself, you should go ahead and marry. So for people out there who are wrestling with this is, hey, what if I'm called to a single life? Here's what I would say when I put these verses together is if you if you struggle, if you want if you have a physical desire for a woman and it's an overwhelming desire, there's a decent chance that you're not called to singleness. There's a decent chance that you should really go find a wife, that you should be prayerful about finding a wife. You know, there's some Christian cultures out there where it's like a a badge of honor to be single. And again, I'm not, I know that singleness is a calling on some people's life, but on most young men, God's will for you is to find a wife, is to be be Christ-like as a husband to her, uh, to be fruitful and multiply, to have children. Family's a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. Again, it's th- there There are exceptions to this, but gen- in general, I think that's the direction of Scripture on this. I think uh, also, Brian, on the flip side of that too, there are, there are men out there that are uh, trying to find a wife and that can be frustrated sometimes too, that they hadn't found the, the right wife yet or they haven't found the right woman yet to be whole and complete. And I think it's so very important to be content in that situation because God's got the plan, right? He's got, he's going to, he's got the plan for your life and it's a perfect plan. And so many times I've seen it in my life, but in the, especially in the lives of my boys and my daughter, um, that a lot of times they forget and they become focused on that marriage and getting married and they let the Lord slip. Uh, there's been a, one of our 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 kids had a uh, a relationship we thought was going to lead toward marriage and ended poorly, um, and thankfully he decided to focus on the Lord during that time and became content. And now he's well, it's his oldest son is getting married to a wonderful wonderful woman that God had placed in in his life and is. So it completes him so much better. So guys that are out there that are maybe, you know, um, frustrated that you hadn't found your wife yet, rest in the Lord, focus on him and uh, relax in him. It'll all, it'll all come out. Yeah. Here's how Jim Elliott, Jim Elliott's one of my heroes. You know, he was a missionary to the Aka Indians and gave up his life for that, was martyred as a young man. But what he said in his journals before he was married um, in fact, I really encourage young men to read his journals. You can find it in the book called Shadow of the Almighty by 
his wife, Elizabeth Elliot. But he says this, he says, I want to fall asleep in the Lord because he was reading scripture and he realized that that's how God brought a, brought a wife to Adam is go back to Genesis. He put Adam to sleep and then Adam woke up. How cool is this? He woke up to his wife. And that's a good visual for it is to think I'm going to rest in the Lord, which means I'm focused on him. I'm going to trust him. And then I'm going to, I want to, I want to be able to open my eyes to see the woman that God has given me. And I think that's, this is what I want to challenge guys on. Cause I remember reading that as a young, a single guy. And it wasn't long after that, that I opened my eyes to Tracy, my wife, but I, but what I had to do in my life, I was 25 years old and I finally was ready to like, go find a wife. I, that's why this topic is so important to me. Cause this is what I lived. I, I, I was into ministry. I was doing school. I was focused. I was, I had my career going. I mean, all this great stuff going for me. I thank God for my single days. But at, at some point in my life, I re, I came to this realization that I had to be proactive about finding a wife. I think I was being a little more passive about it. And, and the way I was proactive is here's what I did. This is to me, this is the difference between being single and passive and being single and content. I was still content. I loved Jesus and I trusted him, but I wasn't passive anymore. Uh, here's what I did, young men. This is maybe what you need to do. Uh, I started praying about it, like intentionally, God, I'm ready. Open my eyes, open my eyes to the, to the woman you have for me. I had a lot of great godly woman, women around me, but I, I didn't really ever look at them in terms of uh, a wife, you know, the, the kind of wife that I should be looking for. I, I don't know if I just didn't give myself permission or whatever, or, or may, I think for me, guys, it was more that I, it was like a sign of weakness to admit that I needed, I needed a helpmate, a wingman. And I had to humble myself and say, I'm not complete. I, I need, like, my ministry is not going to move forward. My life is not going to move forward until God brings me that person uh, that's going to be my spouse. And so I began to pray about it unashamedly. God, I'm, I'm ready. Make me ready. Open my eyes. Show me who that woman is in my life. That's the first thing I did. Number two, I talked about it with my friends. I talked openly about it with my friends. Up until that point, I'd never really done that before. I was pretty private about that kind of stuff. I didn't, again, I, you know, I didn't want, I didn't, I was my own man, right? I, I like, I didn't need, I didn't need a woman. And now I humbled myself and talk to my friends about it, talk to my family members about it, say, guys, pray with me. I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Pray with me. And then number three, like I actively started, um, again, just evaluating the women that were already in my life. God, are these, the, are, is this the one? Like open my eyes to the one that you want me to move, move forward with. And that, to me, that, w- that made a difference. It wasn't long after that, that I found my wife. And and we courted, we dated, we got married, and um, and that's what I'm. We're challenging guys to do is don't be single and passive, because especially if you're a Christian and you're in your churches, there the a lot of times, especially in Christian churches, the women, the young women, are waiting for men to step up. They're waiting for men to. It, it's not that it has to be that way, but it, there's something that seems right about that. That men should be like we're saying should be the leader, should be the act. So if the women are waiting for the men, then guys, you got to get with it. 
like open your eyes to the women in your church, open your eyes to the women in your community and trust God. And then just be willing to walk through that door. I know that some of you guys might be nervous about that kind of thing. If you're listening to this, but I'm, I'm telling you, you can do it. God's, God's made you uh, to do it. And so open your eyes to the Eve in your life. So guys, let's, why don't we finish with the last few minutes that we have and just talk about what, what, what should young men be looking for? Like, what are the things on, on our list? What were the things on your list when you were in this place? What are we looking for in a woman? Well, not what culture would tell you to look for. <laughs> you know, culture would tell you to find the, 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 the hottest girl around, you know, to, to maybe try and go a level up from wherever you see yourself. Uh, but Proverbs 31:30 tells us that charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. I, I think it was your dad, Brian, in another podcast we did, we were talking about decisions and, and he was talking about the decision of finding your wife. He said that woman is either going to be, I think he phrased it, either walking side by arm in arm with you, or you're going to be battling head to head for the, for the rest of your life. And so... Mm. Yeah, looking for someone who loves Jesus, uh, someone who is compassionate, someone who's honest, someone who someone who's going to be on mission with you. I mean, one of the great things that that marriages that are highly successful tend to have in common, even secular marriages, even I mean, obviously, I think the most important thing is God's in the center of your marriage. But even secular marriages where the husband and wife have a common goal, maybe it's maybe it's raising the kids well, maybe it's impact in their community, those marriages seem to thrive. So obviously in our context of, of speaking with believers, you know, hopefully both the husband and the wife want to go full circle in their relationship with Jesus. They want to trust him. They want to live to honor God. And then they want to help the next person do the same thing. Yeah. And I cannot stress the importance of having your wife be your best friend. I see so many guys that want to go hang out with their, their bros and their friends and, you know, they forget about their wife. But I tell you, my, my wife is my best friend. And, uh, when you start going through things in the valleys and the hills and those trials with your best friend, you become closer. It's a lot like the band of brothers, um, mentality. The, the more you go through together, the closer you become. And, and guys, I've heard you both say this before, and I could not agree more that I love my wife more today than I did when she was a teenager, you know, when she was in college, I, when we were newly married and uh, the honeymoon phase was still going on. I love her way more today hmm. than I did back then. And that's because we've been through the trials together. We have been best friends and we've We've been the quote unquote battle buddies or wingmen, or we've been in that foxhole together. And uh, it is such a wonderful and glorious thing that God's blessed us with when we do that. Yeah, we have a topic in the in the student category on our site at Pursue God called the 30 scale. You know, a lot of people have heard of the 20 scale. You you rate you rate the girl on looks and personality. And you know, one one to ten on looks, one to one to ten on personality. Uh, and we we've added one other thing to that to that scale, and that is their their relationship with Jesus. So that's a good that's a simple way to think about it. Is I do think looks matter. By the way, I don't, I don't think it should be the most important thing. But you know, if a young guy is out there saying, 
should I be attracted? Like, should I be attracted to my spouse? Yes, you should be attracted, but it, you don't, it doesn't have to be the overwhelming factor for you. Because like you said, Thud, marrying your best friend is way more important. Like compatibility, personality is way more important than, than looks. Oh, I could not agree more. I actually married an identical twin. And so, <laughs> I mean, I had two of these beautiful ladies to choose from. And I won't tell my sister-in-law I said that about her. But uh, two of these beautiful ladies to choose from. But one was so much more compatible with me mm. and with my personality and, and, and God just made it, uh, he gave me an option, which was amazing. Most men don't get to do that. I had, I had to, I got to choose between two beautiful ladies and thankfully he blessed me with the one that completes me. Oh, that's good. And I, I think that third thing's hugely, if you're a Christian listening to this, if, if the, if, if that woman that you're looking at isn't kind of at the same place that you are spiritually, like hopefully that you really want to honor God with your life. You want to be on mission with somebody. If she doesn't check that box, then it doesn't matter if she gets a 10 out of 10 on looks and personality. Like she is not the one for you. You know, you're trying to discern the will of God. That's kind of a no brainer. We talked about discerning God's will a few weeks ago in this series, but I know again, it's so easy to say, Oh, but, but maybe she, maybe I can lead her to Jesus. I'm going a missionary date and lead her to Jesus. I, I just think that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous game to play because the person that you're married to, I mean, this is someone you're going to be married to for the rest of your life. And if you are both focused on Jesus, you're going to grow together more and more like all three of us have with our wives. But if one of you isn't, whether you or her, then, then really that marriage is not is probably not going to end up in the place that we've been talking about this whole time where it completes you and it, and it makes you holy. It sanctifies you. It, it uh, puts you on mission. It, it, it frees you from sexual morality, all these things that we've been talking about. She's your wingman. Like none of those things are true. If she doesn't, if, if she doesn't pursue God, the way you pursue God. So young men, young men, go find a wife it's so worth it. And I hope that you get a biblical vision for your future, your eventual marriage. Now to have this conversation with a mentor, with a, with your family, with a small group, you can find all these resources at pursuegod.org forward slash men. Make sure to uh, check out this entire series just for young men, five lessons on this. And then I encourage you to subscribe. If you don't already subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, because Every couple of weeks, we come out with more content. And guys, we're, we're not going to hold back. We're going to talk about biblical masculinity every time we, we get on these mics together. And I just encourage you, if you're listening, like allow God to challenge you to grow to be the kind of man that he's envisioned for you.